sermon series, The Foundations of the World, looking at the first 11 chapters of uh, the book of Genesis and how they are the foundations for how the world is supposed to function. They're the foundations for what we would call a biblical worldview, that is looking at the things of the world from a biblical perspective. Um, some of the things that we've covered, just kind of as a reminder to kind of get back in the flow of this, is, you know, we... We talked about God and about God being, about him being the creator and how that God created was the most foundational statement for a biblical worldview that there is. That we talked about the Imago Dei, um, that is the image of God and what it means to be image bearers. We talked about work and purpose um, and uh, Randy led in a sermon on the family unit. Um, how that is foundational for how the world is supposed to function, marriage between husbands and wives and, and their children, and how that's a foundational underpinning of whole society. Um, and so, as I said, I'm going to follow up with my last sermon, which was talking about work, with that other side of the coin, rest. And uh, there's been a lot of that. Uh, probably should start off by saying, and if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2, that's where we're going to start off a little bit. We're going to see God resting there, and then we'll look at some other verses. Probably need to put a disclaimer out there first, though. I'm not going to be giving the do's and the don'ts of what to do on your day of rest, when that day maybe should be, what Sunday should be, how you should practice Sunday. Um, although I fish on Sunday, um, which would make my grandfather probably roll over in his grave, that's my conviction. I think these are, uh, there's a passage in the scriptures and Paul talks about the day of rest and there seems to be some Christian liberty with how we do that, what we practice on those days that you, and, and so my advice on those is to your own self be true. <laughs> to, to your own convictions, you must live up and decide that. But I want to give you some perspective to maybe build those convictions around a little bit um, as you determine on how you're going to apply that. And like I, I forget to point out sometimes in your handout, uh, your, your sermon kind of worship little handout that we give, at the bottom there's two questions. What did you hear? You know, as you're here, and we're, and we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit's here because the Bible said he would be and because we believe we bring him here. So if he's here talking to you, what's he telling you today? So what did you hear? And what are you going to do about what you heard? I mean, that's really the application point. As you hear and are led by the Spirit in this presence, what are you going to do about it? So as you hear today and, and give some considerations to some of these things, I would like for you to, you know, kind of determine what your conviction on how to approach the day of rest, and, and really just to see the biblical foundation for that and the importance of that. I, I will start off by saying, so we're, we're working on the completing our theology of work and rest, and, and, and I'll point out this, the idea of rest has been sinfully perverted in a similar way, in similar ways to the idea of work. Like we talk about work, and when we talked about work, you may remember we talked about somewhere. Some people work can become an idol, it can become their identity, they can be workaholics, they can live for work, and work can be all that they're consumed with, right? Well, sometimes the idea of rest, leisure, uh, has been perverted in a similar way. There's a popular, and I've, I've used this word quite often, but there's a popular kind of philosophy in our world today called hedonism, and it takes rest, the idea of leisure and rest and pleasure, way far. That all of life is supposed to be about rest 
and having fun and just being leisurely and, and, and pleasure. And, and that's taking the God-given idea of rest and leisure and what we need it for and perverting it to, well, that's all that matters is how happy can I be and how, how much pleasure can I have and how little work can I do? <laughs> Um, and so we've got to understand that a biblical foundation has a good, proper balance between work, purpose, given God direction, and rest. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to form that, I hope, today. So here's our goals. To recognize some of the errors in our approach to the day of rest, some errors that have kind of infiltrated into our lives, um, and then to establish some correct perspectives to a day of rest that can lead to a better application. And so at the end, how will you do your day of rest? What will you do? What's your convictions about that? So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 1 and one through 3. He says, thus the heavens, this is the end of the creation story, right? Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see this balance already being described to us that God himself worked and he rested, right? And as image bearers in the image of God, we kind of have this same mandate to work and to rest. Um, and so this is the foundational for, uh, verse for a day of rest or what some people will call a Sabbath I think you pronounce that Shabbat, if I can really slaughter the Hebrew language. Um, but that's kind of how it's pronounced in that language. Uh, we use these words. You may have heard this. And, and that's really, that word Shabbat is really the word there when it says God rested, God Shabbat. That's the word that, it, that's where it comes from. And, and so the word Sabbath, that we'll pronounce it that way, literally means rest. That's what it is, to rest, to desist, to, to stop striving. Um, to be still, um, that's going to lead up to a verse if you've ever heard that phrase, be still, right? That's kind of this whole idea of what it means to have a, a Sabbath or a day of rest. Now the, now the question is, we have to address right here, was God tired? Was God like, oh wow, Whew. That's, I was good till we had to make that sun, that was tough, you know? Or, you know, flinging the stars across the sky, that just wore me out. i got to rest. Well, if God was tired, we're going to have to re-radically redefine what we, need, what we mean by omnipotence, right? By all-powerful. Because if you, if you run out of being all-powerful where you got to rest, we need to redefine what it means to be all-powerful in some pretty radical directions. And, and, and we're going to see in scriptures that, that God is... Uh, modeling, there's the word, modeling for us a proper life. Not that God needed it, not that God required rest, but he's setting a model for us to follow. Now, some people have argued that the Sabbath is all about God insisting for his worship, that he sets it up wholly for him so that he will be worshipped. And, and I want to tell you this, this is something we need to understand. God does not need worship. Right? He, he deserves it, but deserving it and needing it are two different things. God doesn't need his ego stroked. He's not sitting up in heaven and, I'm so good, 
and y'all just need to tell me. He doesn't need our worship. He has no need of anything. He doesn't need us. But God deserves it because he's God. Right? And so the whole Sabbath is not setting it up so God can have a day of the week for us to stroke his ego and just tell him how great he is. He doesn't need that from us. Uh, we need him, well, infinitely more than he needs us, right? Uh, and so the Sabbath is for us to recognize our need and not to meet his need. Does that make sense? All right. So let's look at some biblical foundations because outside of Genesis, after this is kind of mentioned here in Genesis uh, chapter 2, 1 through 3, it's followed up on. You, this, is a, this is a phrase, the, the Sabbath or, or the day of rest. This is an idea that we're familiar with because we'll hear it in places like the Ten Commandments, right? Like keep the Sabbath day holy. And, and so this mentioned throughout Scripture. So it's a pretty important kind of idea, especially throughout the Old Testament. We're going to look at three verses. First one is Exodus chapter 23, and kind of get some foundational ideas of what the, this day of rest, the Sabbath, was all about. It says, six days shall you do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. All right, so we, we're following the model God has set up, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your servant and woman and the alien may be refreshed. Now, it's interesting, this reminder to rest is it about God is it focused on God he's not even mentioned in this verse who's the focus why why are the instructions to rest so that the waiters so that the servants so that the donkeys and so the animals and so all those who are employed in service can have a day of rest it's really teaching us that the day of rest is a consideration of others right to think about what others are doing. And it's just, I wrote this down. Don't shoot me for saying this. This may have been the first collective bargaining agreement. This may, this may have been the, the first union, right? That God is saying, hey, look, all you employees or employers, you need to give your employees a day off. Don't just keep working them and working them and working them and working them. But, but it's really about the consideration of others, now, you got to remember that this is going to be speaking to the Hebrews, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. We're going to re-highlight this, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of lead you down this road. There was a time when the Hebrews, who were being instructed to remember the day of rest, they were the slaves. And, uh, and they weren't allowed to rest. And so, don't you know, in those days, they were going around, man, I'd like to have a day off, but these Egyptians, they just make us work every day. And so it's really an application of the golden rule that once they leave slavery and they start to have servants who serve under them, remember what you wanted when you were the servant and treat others the way you want to be treated. Be considerate of others and give them some time off. And so I think about this now. One of the personal convictions that some people will have is that they won't go out to eat on Sunday. Right? That was another practice that certain people have tried to apply to that. And this might be a good argument for that. Because if you don't go out to eat, the people who are working at the restaurants, they can get a day off. Right? That's part of why Chick-fil-A does what Chick-fil-A does. I think probably following this verse right here is like, okay, our people are all, all our people are going to have at least one day off. You know, and Maybe that's where they're getting even how they run their company from this kind of idea. They're being considered of others. But if you want to go out and eat, and we know a lot of people depend upon their job and working on Sunday, 
Just think about this, if we applied this. Just, I, I, I wonder about application. What if Sunday was the day that every server at a restaurant clamored to work? Like, I want to work on Sunday because the Christians are coming. And they're generous, and they're kind, and they're, they're not demanding, and they're understanding, and, and they just are, they're just the nicest people in the world. And I want to work every Sunday because that's when the children of God are showing up, and I want to be able to serve them because they're just the best customers to have. And how many of you think that's what servers and restaurants say on Sunday afternoon? Right? But that this is a day of rest, and, and, and we're thinking about God, and it should be a time for us to be all those things. That we could change the world. We could change society if we just remember that and how we functioned in the workplace on a Sunday afternoon. That they're coming in here full of joy. They're just so happy. They've been in worship. They, they, their faces are glowing, you know. They're not griping. They're not complaining. They're not barking at me about, oh, you didn't get here with the tea quick enough. I'm cutting that tip. Anyway, one of the ideas about the day of rest, it is a consideration of others. It is thoughtful about those who are having to work. And I think we can live that out in a lot of ways. There's another verse, Leviticus chapter 23, another 23.3. Leviticus 23.3, it reminds us, six days you shall work, uh, shall work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. The word I would encourage you to highlight there is that idea of a holy convocation. Convocation. When I looked up that word, it means a called out assembly. A group of people called together for a particular purpose. Interestingly enough, a similar word that has the same kind of idea from the New Testament is ecclesia. It's a called out assembly. You know what ecclesia is? The study of ecclesiology, the study of the church. Ecclesia is where we get the word church from. And the church is a called out assembly, a group of people called together for a special service. And he's saying the sixth day is about this holy convocation, this calling out of a group together for a particular service. And so what I want you to understand about the day of rest and the Sabbath is it's about communing with others. It's about being together with like-minded people on a particular subject. That's what the church is. We're called out from the world to be together, to worship, and to pray, and to think about God, and to celebrate God. Now, let me ask you this. When's the last time you've based coming to church on the idea of this is for somebody else? Too often we're like, well, what, what am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? And, and so we, we sometimes just need to understand that we are called, we come, we gather for other people. That it's not just about you. That your presence matters to other people. It's funny now, in my position, I get to hear this, Right? And, and, and a lot of times I'll be talking with people throughout the week and they'll say, did you see so-and-so was back in church today? And they're so excited and they're so happy and they're so fulfilled because they got to see somebody they care about. And, and I hear it all the time. And likewise, when someone's absent, they're like, where's so-and-so? I, I miss 
talking that. And part of the day of rest, the part of our getting together is because we need, want, and deserve one another. That we matter to each other. You matter to me. Hopefully I matter to you. Other people matter to each other. And sometimes we just need to be here for somebody else because it's encouraging. It, it makes them want to stick it out. It, it makes them, it, it's about them and not about me. So we need to encourage, care for others, give them a sense of belonging. This is my family. And that church attendance should not be self-centric. should not be only about what they can give to me, but what I can do for them. And sometimes just being here matters a lot. One other uh, testament, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 5, says, Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that you your male servant and your female servants may rest as well as you same idea that we've talked about but verse 15 you shall remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm which we read about in Acts this morning therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath you shall remember where you came from and what God did for you. And so finally, at least one of the ideas of the Old Testament idea of the, rest, uh, of the day of rest was a day of contemplation of God. Remember where you were, <laughs> remember where you are, and remember all that God did to get you from where you were to where you are. It's a chance just to think about God, remember the works of God, to contemplate God. And so, at least in the Old Testament, we see this idea of considering others, putting others' needs, treating them well, communing with one another, needing that family unit, and coming together particularly for the purpose of God and remembering the works he had done and the good works, what he has done for us and who he is. But something went terribly wrong. By the time Jesus comes onto the scene, the Sabbath had taken on a life of its own. It was, rightly, a God-given example, something that they had followed, something they had worked out, but they had made it something weird, to be quite honest, something different than God meant for it to be. Uh, that it was just, it was a standalone item that, that was just monumental and we see Jesus kind of flowing against that and, and, and we see in a particular story the era of, re of religious performance well, keeping the Sabbath was this religious high mark you know like you do that you're good with God and Jesus reveals some of the wrong thinking on that this is from Mark chapter 2 uh, if you want to turn there or you can follow along, I'll be reading to you Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 23. On the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and he made their way. His disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, what are they doing? What, that's, what is not lawful on the Sabbath? <coughs> and he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? Uh, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of uh, Abathar, the high priest, and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, 
and he also gave to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. He, he points out that this idea of rest is a gift to us. It's not the gift to God. It's not, again, that, that it's more about what we need and not what God needs. And, and you know there's other stories where Jesus heals people on the Sabbath. So he breaks the, breaks the Sabbath quite often. He's breaking their religious traditions. And, and, and what's really set upsetting the Pharisees is he's breaking their practices. This is our religion. This is our religious practice. You don't do that, right? And it made them really, really upset. And one of the reasons they'll eventually crucify him is because he would break these hard things. But here's a truth we must understand, and I think this is part of what Jesus is showing the people. Religion and religious practices do not save. Religion and religious practices do not save. It's a sad thing that I've encountered where people, when we're talking about their faith, the answer is, you know, I haven't missed a Sunday of church in 35 years. And I got the, there was a time in Southern Baptist life where we gave out badges for perfect attendance. And, and, and I've literally seen people wearing them on their lapels. Look how many Sundays didn't miss a Sunday. Pat you on the back. Good job. If that's what we're counting on to save us, we're nothing more than Pharisees. And, and Jesus is pointing out, even in this thing, all these do's and don'ts. And one of my professors last week quoted, I tried to write it down, I can't find the notes. Don't you hate it when you write notes and you can't find your notes? But it was 600 and some rules and 200 of them were do's and 400 of them, I'm using some pretty rough words of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And that's religion, right? All the do's and the don'ts where, Jesus, where the Bible talk about the letter of the law kills, but the spirit of the law, the spirit of God sets us free from that. And so Jesus is in this passage when he's confronting the Pharisees. He's like, look, the Sabbath wasn't for made for God. It's for us. It's for man. And by the way, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath too. That really probably, you know, made them a little upset. So let's consider some ideas in the New Testament or throughout the scriptures. If this is made for us, why? We looked at some of the ideas behind what the Sabbath would be. But what can we hope to accomplish in our time of rest, our day of rest, our Sabbath, whether it's Sunday where most people would take it or for those who have to work shift work or work on a Sunday, I would encourage another day or another time where you can do at least some of these things. Start off with this. What's the most important aspect of your life? In your life, what is the most important thing about you, about your life, about living? Think about that for just a moment. What is the most important aspect of your life? Well, I think part of the reason for us to rest is because we can refocus on that. Right? I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> and thinking that some of you said, well, the most important thing about my life is my relationship with Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, in our workaday life, in the business of our life, sometimes that most important thing can slip a little bit out of focus. It can slip a little bit like, oh, 
I got busy doing this and doing this and doing this. And, and it's so funny how many people come up to me, I, I got to do a better job. Okay, you know, I got to read my Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to, okay, that's, you don't have to tell me. Do it, or that's what you think you need to do. But that happens. Maybe you thought, well, my family, my, my kids, or my grandkids, my, my husband, my wife, that's the most important thing. This is also a chance to refocus on that, too. In Ecclesiastes, I'm going to read a sampling of Ecclesiastes. This is written by Solomon, the wisest man ever. And this is his summation of life. In, verse, in chapter 1, verse 14, he says, I've seen everything, what is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. All that we chase, all these things we pursue in life, they're, they're really unimportant. In chapter 2, verse 10, starting with verse 10, he says, And whatever my, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. My heart found pleasure in all my toil. This was my reward for my toil. Then I considered all that my heads had done and all the toil that I expended on doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He didn't deny himself anything. Whatever he wanted, he got, and he did, and he tried all of life. And he said, by the time I had done it all, you know, I had fulfilled every bucket list that was out there. My bucket list, your bucket list, and somebody else's bucket list. I tried them all, and it was nothing. It was vanity. He sums up, he sums up life at the end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The end of all matter. All has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is what's most important in life. This is what matters. And our day of rest is maybe nothing more than a chance for us to refocus on that. That all our striving, all those things we chase on the other six days that we're working so hard to experience or do or accomplish or, or, or mark off our list or really don't matter if we don't fear God. And so a day of rest, when we stop striving, when we sit still and go, wait a second, there's a God out there. And I'm going to refocus on him and think about him. I ask you this question, what's your favorite holiday? Somebody tell me one. What's your favorite holiday? What? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. How, many, how many vote for Thanksgiving? All right. How many vote for Christmas? How many vote for the 4th of July? Because <laughs> that's Shelly's. I knew that one. <laughs> Interesting. Ever noticed how the word holiday is a, is a rewriting of holy day? The whole idea of having a holiday, these are supposed to be holy days. And in, and in the Bible, the word Sabbath applies to more than just the seventh day of the week. All the festivals that the Hebrews were given, you know, the festival of unleavened bread and the festival of, uh, of uh, tabernacles and all the other festivals, they had, those were Sabbaths too, right? And, and, and they were days when we do what we do. What do we do on a holiday? What's your favorite part of a holiday? Why Thanksgiving, Barb? Family. Bingo, thank you. I'll give you your $5 after service for giving the right answer. It's about family, right? It's about being together. It's about focusing 
on the things that are important, family and rest. It's in those days when we stop striving and we get together and we go, this matters. These are the people that matter. This is what life is about. It's more than what I've done for the last year. It's this time. This is what's important. And I'd like to just encourage you to consider every Sunday a weekly holiday, a time when we can say, this is family time. This is a time to stop striving, to think about God, and to be with my family. This is my holiday, weekly, in and out, a chance to rest and enjoy the fellowship of other believers and our family. We can think about rest is a chance to fight idols. And we pointed out work, how work can become an idol. I'll, I'll use this. Work and what work provides can become a god, Right? We find our identity. I am a whatever it is I do. And my job is my identity. Job gives me money. Job gives me success. God gives me a kind of prestige, depending on the job you may have. And that these things can be idols in our little hearts that we hold on to. And having to take a day and get away from that and go home where you're not CEO, right, and go home when you're not Pastor Jason anymore. You're just Jay, right? That's how Shelly refers to me, right? My job at home uh, is to change the toilet, right? You need to caulk the bathroom, right? No prestige in that. To, to have a day when you remove yourself from that identity or remove yourself from the exposure of success or the exposure to money and just say, I just got to be me. And get away from all that kind of stuff. It's a good day where we start to fight against those idols. And I just want to give you a smattering of what the Bible says about the, the, the lure of riches. And, and what work is and what work provides. Matthew chapter 13 verse 22. As for, uh, this is the explanation of the sower and the seeds. And this, explain, this is just the explanation of the rocky soil. Or the thorny soil, excuse me. And as for the, as, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and cares of the world and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. That, that the deceitfulness of our work and what work provides, the, the things that the world strives after and chases, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches can kill the word in your heart. Matthew 19, 23 Jesus is talking after meeting with the rich young ruler, and he says, And Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of God. Again, those, that deceitfulness of work and what work provides can make it difficult for people to come into heaven. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What good is it, all this striving that we're doing for things of the world and lose our soul? And then finally, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so having a day, one day, where you step away from that and say, It's not about money, would be a good day to fight against these idols that pull against our heart. And finally, rest as a reminder to trust. It's a fallen world and life is difficult. 
and it takes effort. And with things in the economy as they currently are, it's going to take a little bit more effort to survive in the world, right? And we're going to be tempted to double our efforts so we can maintain our standards, right? But at the end of the day, when we take a time to rest, it reminds us that ultimately we have to trust in God. That all my efforts, no matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, at the end of the day, I still must trust God. From Luke chapter 12, verses 22, and it's verses 22 through 31, I'm going to read a selection. It says, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Jumping down to verse 30. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. They chase and strive after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. And so having a day where we just have to ultimately remind ourselves, my faith is not in my 401, right? My, my trust is not there. My security is not there. It's not in my life assurance. You know, it's not in my job. It's not in the job security I have that ultimately... If I don't trust God, I can't take care of myself. And having a day to step away from that and remind me, I trust God. And so here is an overall look at what we've talked about. It's going to be up to you to kind of figure out how you're going to apply this in your life. But at least some of the ideas behind this idea of rest is the consideration of others the communing with others, and the contemplation of God. And that we can use these days of rest to, to refocus on what's really important, relationship with God and our relationship with others, particularly our family, however you define that. I would call us family here. That we fight against these worldly idols that, that, that kind of pull down our, our hearts. We can take a break from being exposed to work and what work provides. And that we can ultimately remember my trust is in God. It's not in the things of this world or what this world provides or says it will provide. And I can let go for a while and let God. Ultimately, I'm going to close with uh, Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The New American Standard says, stop striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted on the earth. The Christian Standard Bible says, Stop fighting, and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, and exalted on the earth. The contemporary English version says, Our God says, Calm down, and learn that I am God. All the nations of the earth will honor me. And then finally, the Net Bible says, he says, stop striving and recognize I am God. I will be exalted over the nations. So when we look at this day of rest, remember, it's for us to recognize God, not for God to get our worship, though he deserves it and we will give it to him. We're encouraged. Be still and know.